I will be reading from Galatians 5:13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, my siblings. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you, however, bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. The word of the Lord. Well, again, good morning. As we continue, will you pray with me? Jesus, I pray that this morning you would meet each of us in our places of need, in our places of longing, maybe even in the places that we might not totally want you, that your love might heal and change and open us to your kingdom. It's in your name we gather, amen. Well, it's good to be with you all this morning as we are now in our second Sunday of the fall. We're in the midst of our sermon series, All of Us, which last week we talked a little bit about that, naming how the God who has created all of us loves all of us, which is the call to the neighbor, calls then to all of us as the church to bring all of us ourselves. And that this is a movement and dance that we have been invited to participate in. That not only do we bring ourselves, but we can't do this work by ourselves. We need one another to be the church. And we need to remember that as the church, we are grounded in God. That's the point of why we exist, right? But that as the church, then our call as we love God is to love our neighbors. And so today, the focus is on the invitation that we have to join with God who loves all of us in that work. Now, we had the text read to us from Galatians. And this past, was that past summer we did Galatians? Okay, time is a little bit strange right now. Um, and so when we had done Galatians last summer, uh, I was able to, to share about it. And for those of you who may know, the text of Galatians, the letter, was written to a community who was really struggling with what did they do in the midst of their own differences and what was going to win out. Were there going to be ethnic and cultural rules about who was in and who was out? Or were they going to open to the way that the Spirit was showing up, inviting everyone from every country and every background and every nationality to be part of the good news and response to Christ. In the midst of this comes these verses that we read. That for us, we have freedom in Christ. But the point of freedom isn't just for us to say, oh good, well I'm free, so don't bother me. <laughs> right? That's not the point of freedom inside of the Christian imagination. The gospel in freeing us then calls and invites us to live our lives the way Jesus did. Opening ourselves to sacrifice, to care for 
It's these verses from the book of Galatians that Martin Luther wrote about in his piece, Freedom of a Christian, in 1520. He wrote, a Christian is a perfectly free person, subject to none. Meaning, as he was writing against the rules of the church at that time, that he had to be true and we have to be true to our inner conscience, that no one is higher than the other, that the Pope doesn't tell us what to do. But we must listen to the spirit within ourselves and in that way, we are, we are not subject to anyone. He continues though and he says, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. So in the freedom we have in Christ, it turns us then to the neighbor. We're from the outpouring of grace and love that we have known we cannot but then serve and care for because we know what it feels like to be cared for by the God of all of creation. Simone de Beauvoir wrote further about this in her Ethics of Ambiguity, though I don't think she had Galatians in mind. She had talked about as well this sense of the tension of what does it mean to both be free, but we can't actually be free if our freedom isn't involved in the freedom of others. Some of you may have heard quotes about this, you know, I'm not free as long as everyone isn't free. Our freedom is bound up with one another. That we can only know freedom in relationship. Because if I'm fundamentally free to do whatever I want to you, <laughs> you don't have much freedom left, right? Freedom is something that opens us, but it then turns us back toward one another to help to ensure as Christians for us that the image of God is honored in one another. That life is defended and cared for. That people have the conditions necessary for life and breath. Our freedom isn't just for ourselves. And the people of Galatians, like humans throughout history, including us, sometimes forget. And so they are reminded here your freedom isn't for self-indulgence. This isn't a get yours. This is about service and love. And so the passage then turns to the reminder that at the heart of all of the things, the law, the gospel, the prophets, at the heart of all of it is the call to love our neighbors as ourselves. In some ways, this is the most simple call to love. Throughout history and up until today, we complicate that sometimes. Have you ever heard anyone say, well, yeah, but what does love really mean? How would you define love? What has love felt like in your life? Do you know what it looks like when you see love active in the world? I'm sure each of us have our definitions, and that matters. This is what we're called then to embody, the love that we have known in Christ, to embody that to our neighbors, to love each other as we love ourselves and as we desire to be loved. 
The reality is, if you look through the scriptures, the number of times you can read about the call to love the neighbor is a little plentiful. I'll just mention a few of these、uh, options. You could go to Mark 12, the second commandment: love your neighbor as yourself, which is taken again from referencing Leviticus, where it is the call there to love your neighbor as yourself, or maybe from Matthew. The law and the prophets summed up here. Luke six: Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. How about again in Matthew or Romans? We could go to love your neighbor as yourself. James chapter two: You shall love your neighbor. I mean, I'm just on page one of ten pages of the call from the Bible to love our neighbors as ourselves. Seems like it might be important. I'm not the best biblical scholar, but you know, I think it might be important, right? This call to love our neighbors as ourselves, in some ways, incredibly complicated, and in some ways, just really—it's that. What do you think about the doctrine of the Trinity, Sarah? I mean, I have thoughts, absolutely, but let's love our neighbors as ourselves. Isn't this what First Corinthians talks about when it says, "I can speak in all of the tongues of angels, but if I have not love, I'm nothing." What matters is for us to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's it. And yet, we mess that up sometimes. We forget. The story of church history is filled with moments where the church is forgotten. Now, I know some people don't like to talk about stories that involve the church not being particularly churchy. I think it's important to remember those stories, not only because they actually happened, but because I think they can become moments for us to say, "Okay, what happened? What went wrong? And how do I pay attention to that in myself?" And how can I be part of the church today, reminding all of us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of love? The church has gotten it wrong at points. The church led people on crusades. The church has been at the forefront of movements at times to pick up stones and cast them at people. But the Bible is so clear that that is not our job. Our job as the church is to love our neighbor, and to show up in those places where actually stones are being cast, and to say, "Lay them down." To turn towards our own selves and our stories and recognize where are places where we've started pointing fingers angrily, and to take a breath and let God's Spirit. Love us. This last week, my spouse and I started watching a TV show that some of you may have heard of—a league of their own. You may also know the 1992 film, featuring Tom Hanks and Gina Davis and a couple other folks. Now, for me, when I was a kid and saw that movie, I thought it was so cool. If you don't know what it's about, I'll clue you in. It's about that time in 1943 until 1956, where in the middle of the world,、uh, world War II, which I understand did not go into the 1950s, just in case you're wondering, but in 1943, World War II was happening. 
And during that time, as men were being drafted and increasingly sent abroad, people wanted there to be hope and levity, but there weren't any men to play baseball. So what they do? They found the ladies, and they developed teams around the country of women who were playing ball. The 1992 film tells a version of this story, and most recently this year, Amazon Prime has released a, a series. I love this not only because it depicts the complicated, real stories of women who were just living and trying to do the thing that they loved in the middle of so much complexity, but it tells them with honesty. As Andy and I were watching it this last Tuesday. We were in an episode in which a bar was raided. It was a bar where people of differing genders and sexualities were there, and they had found safety. And they get beaten. Whatever you think theologically about anything, whether it's Trinity. Whether it's gender, whether it's sexuality, whether it's justice, whatever it is, when I stopped, turned off that episode, I was weeping, and I was crying because I knew that there was a sense that people who were part of the church said, "This isn't okay, and we must stop it." My concern is, is that what happens when we think? That we need to defend God or positions in which we believe—that's not our call. Our call as the church is to be the people who join Jesus in laying down the rocks, in binding up the wounds, in looking to the margins, and saying, "How can I love the neighbor here?" God is the one who will judge all of our hearts and lives. Our freedom is meant to be that with which we serve, with which we embody the gospel of Jesus. That isn't to say that we don't have strong feelings or things that we believe, but to recognize that whenever we pick up our swords and think that we are fighting for God, we are called to lay them down. I'm a personality who、um, gets passionate about things. Shocker for everyone I know. <clears throat> I care a lot about justice, and when I don't think things are fair, I don't like it very much. Also, maybe an understatement. <laughs> in the midst of some of my own grief and certainty, and wrestling in the last couple of years, there is a song that we sing in the alternative service that came to me. It's called "Give Me Doubt." And it goes,、um, give me doubt so I can see my neighbor as myself. Give me doubt so I can lay all my weapons on the ground. When the armor of God is too heavy for peace, give me doubt. Give me doubt. That's not to say that I still don't have strong feelings about any number of things, but it was a reminder to my own soul 
that as scripture reminds, my job is not to judge, but it's to love. And to look for the places in our world where there is suffering, where there is pain, where there is harm and brokenness, and to in humility to show up with love, to show up to care, to show up to say, as the church collectively, we are going to be known by our love. We're going to be known as the Salvation Army was, right? Where, where are the poor and the people who are broken? Let's show up in those places. Let's join God in the doing of good for Christ's sake. And then trust that God's Spirit will do the work to heal all of us, including me, because as it turns out, I don't have the gospel perfectly right. Right? We are all in process. We are all in need of grace. But as Galatians reminds us that the grace we know and receive is a grace that we are called to embody. And what sums it up, what sums up our call, is to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And in this way, we fulfill the law. So my invitation and question to you and to myself this week is where are some of those places in your immediate sphere or in the world around you where you know that there are folks who are struggling or hurting or in pain, folks who maybe aren't seen or honored, what does it look like for you? What does it look like then for us to show up to be the gospel of Jesus Christ with hands and feet on? To say there is good news. Jesus loves, right? John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Might we join with this God who is the God of all of us in loving all of us, as we ourselves are loved by Jesus. Let me pray. God, back in creation, as we're reminded in Genesis, you looked at all that you had created and said it was good. And God, we want to join you in the good of your kingdom. So if there are places in our own hearts where we don't yet know your grace and your love, might you open us just a little bit more and by your spirit heal and call to us that we might then join you as your church to do that work of goodness and the love of the gospel of Jesus. In your name, amen.